Well, I heard a pleasant sound this morning uh, sitting on my balcony that uh, Our Lady of Pompeii was ringing their bells for 8.30 Mass, uh, finally having public Mass in, in our neighborhood. So we're not uh, recording the Masses anymore here. There's ways to sign up online and throughout the Archdiocese now that churches are opening. You still have to make reservations, but um, glad to people to be able to in person come to, to Mass if they're able. Um, Today we have a, a gospel that is, I don't know, I find very challenging. Jesus tells his, his apostles, fear no one, don't be afraid. It kind of reminds me of John Paul II's first words after being elected Pope, uh, be not afraid. It makes me think of all of the people who I admire and try to emulate who are fearless, especially in the face of, of great power that's threatening to them. Of course, the ultimate example is Jesus before Pilate or the Pharisees, just completely grounded in the Father's love and the truth of what he's uh, saying and what he's about. And no matter the pettiness, no matter what Pilate says, don't you know I have power over you to kill you? And Jesus says, you'd only have power over me if it was given to you from above. Um, Jesus knows he has armies of angels behind him if he needs it, but he, he gives himself over to even death uh, and total trust and no fear, at least no fear of man. But I think of also like St. Thomas More, uh, who just before he's beheaded uh, says, I'm the king's, king's good servant, but God's first. And just to have that presence of mind as you're being decapitated to, to offer your life to God and to hold no grudge against your executioner. St. Agnes, uh, the 12-year-old martyr in the uh, Roman Empire, early church, the, uh, the executioner was said to have been trembling before this little girl who had so much courage uh, that she was, she was ready to completely give her life away, shed her blood for Jesus. Or more recently, the movie A Hidden Life, this man who's in prison for, for a very long time, months and months, if not years, and uh, has all these opportunities to, to just compromise with his conscience and, and be free, go back to his nice life. Um, but he chooses, again, to not give in to that fear and to, to not compromise with evil. But in all these examples, there's still a fear there. Even Jesus, in the agony in the garden, sweats blood. He doesn't want it. He's like, Lord, if this cup can pass from me, please, but not my will, but yours be done. Um, there's still a, a fear there in all the saints and martyrs and even the Lord himself. Um, and in some mysterious way, like what Jesus is saying here, don't be afraid of the one who can kill the body, but be afraid of the one who can kill both soul and body in Gehenna. He's talking about fear of God. I always used to think that he was talking about Satan, but no, it's a God who gives and takes away. He's the one that has total power over us. He's the one that's breathing life into you right now. Do you really want to resist him? Right? So there's a deeper fear that motivates a Thomas More. Um, you know, like his family pleaded with Thomas, uh, his daughter especially, go to the jail and say, why are, you, why are you doing this? Why are you refusing to compromise? It's like not a big deal. You just have to sign a piece of paper that says the king is technically the head of the church in England, but you can cross your fingers behind your back and all, all this stuff. Um, but Thomas refuses to do it. And I think one of the reasons is because he knows that <clears throat> what his daughter, what his wife, what his family loves about him is exactly that he's the kind of man that wouldn't do that. That's why they want him. 
That's why they think it's such a waste that this petty Henry VIII is, is going to kill him for no good reason, because he's so worthy of love. Um, he's a saint. And he knows that he could sign the paper, he could go back, live with his family, live a few more years, right? But the Thomas More that would be living with his family for those few years or decades or whatever would be a soul-dead version of him. And so the deeper fear is to lose your soul. That's what the martyrs have a salutary, healthy fear that I don't want to be complicit with my own death, like spiritual death. I mean, the paradox is that Jesus conquers death precisely by choosing to die. And that's where at the limit you see the martyrs who fear no one but the one who can kill both soul and body and get hand. They fear nothing but losing their souls. They fear nothing but offending God. That's what it is to be a saint. What Paul is saying in the letter to the Corinthians is, rather the Romans, uh, is that this is how death entered the world, that we chose to resist God. We chose to turn away from his purposes for my life. And now we struggle with that concupiscence, that fallen human nature that we tend to choose to die, not in the way that Jesus chooses to lay down his life in total freedom and trusting in God, but rather to choose to resist God in his trying to bring me to life. No, I'm, I'm choosing death. I'm like the prodigal son, choosing to eat with the swine rather than eat in my father's house. And so the, the cure of fear, of this kind of fear that drives us from the arms of God, um, is to let ourselves be loved. That's the third part of the, the gospel today. Is that doesn't, Don't you know that God knows how many sparrows there are? He knows how many hairs there are in your head. Do you imagine how much he cares about you? Who are you going to entrust yourself to? The pilots of the world? The Pharisees of the world? The Henry VIII's? Do you think they care about you? Do you think they love you? Do you think they have any actual power to give you life? But the Lord does. I don't know about you, but sometimes fear does enter my heart. And then the world takes on this grayness. When you, when you let that fear in or you, you consent to it, you feel like the world is a dangerous place, that people could turn on you at any moment. Something bad could happen. My whole life could be taken from me. And then the world just kind of like, the life gets sucked out of it. The joy gets sucked out of it. And how do you pump that life back in? Well, we can't do it on our own, but it can be pumped back in. The, the colors can go back onto the trees and onto the sky, and the, the joy can fill my heart again if, if I not say, like, how am I going to get myself totally safe? How am I going to preserve my life in this world? How am I going to get everything that I want and have circumstances agree with my desires? That's never going to happen. Safety is not the cure for fear. It's trust. It's being loved, be, to just behold God beholding me and to say, like, you count how many hairs are on my You love me more than I love myself. You want me to be alive more than I want to be alive because I regularly choose death. I choose sin. But the Lord can love me back through trust. And that's where Jesus' death is the cure of death because he entrusts himself completely to the Father. And so death has absolutely no control over him. He lays his life down and then the Spirit revives him brings him back to life. He takes his life back up again. And that's the call to all of us, to fear no one, but uh, the power that can kill my soul, to fear nothing but losing myself by not entrusting myself to Christ.